As most of you know, we have a seminary here at our church. It's called Houston Theological Seminary. And about two years ago, I was teaching a class there. It was the very first day of the semester. So I was kind of in a back room looking over some of my notes. And so as I was doing that, I thought I would you know, sit down for a little bit. So I saw this wooden chair over there. So I sat down in the chair, started studying my notes. And then for some reason or other, I decided to lean back a little bit in my chair. And when I leaned back in that chair, the chair utterly collapsed. I mean, just more than one leg, just, just boom, just busted right there. So I just boom, land with my rump right there on the floor as I'm getting ready to go teach. And I just thought that was just so crazy because the chair looked like it would hold me up, right? It looked very sturdy, well-constructed, but little did I know um, either the chair had faltered or I had gained some weight I didn't know about. Anyway, I don't know. It, it collapsed right there, and I went splat right there on the floor. Luckily, it was only private embarrassment, not public embarrassment, because that would have been really, really bad. But it was interesting as, as things as a chair collapsed. I, I thought about how, you know, today we make things that collapse, right? We have collapsible strollers, uh, collapsible high chairs. We have collapsible exercise equipment. I mean, things are made to collapse. Even my dad still has a collapsible phone. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So things are still made to collapse. I, do you remember at the very end of the intro of George of the Jetsons, George Jetson, he would get out of his space car and press a button and it would collapse into a briefcase. Now you say, that's crazy. That will never happen. Go look at the Jetsons and see how many things have happened and see how prophetic that cartoon really was. So, things are made to collapse. That's just how things are. That's the world we live in today. And as I look back over this past year, this crazy year, this unpredictable year, this unprecedented year, as many people have called it, I've seen a major, major collapse in our culture. And what we've witnessed is what I call a collapse of character. A collapse, more specifically, of courage. Jason Whitlock put it this way. He said, the real pandemic destroying America isn't COVID-19. It's a lack of principle-based, unselfish, masculine leadership. It's a failure of men, an en masse surrender to a secular culture that pursues status, wealth, and power by any means necessary. Cowardice 2020 is the real pandemic. <laughs> Cowardice comes easy. Cowardice is always convenient. And what we've seen happen in the past year in our culture is many people and 
Jason is picking on men, but you could say women as well, but primarily men. We've seen the utter collapse of character and the caving in to cowardice. And cowardice in our culture of being a coward is simply very easy. It's simply going along with the status quo. It's simply conforming to what has become, in some cases, norms in our culture. Cowardice, 2020, is the real pandemic. To put it another way, courage is on the endangered species list in our culture today. Now, today we are wrapping up the series we've been doing called This Is Us. Now, I think some people think, wow, I thought we stopped that series before the election. No, uh-uh. In case you've missed it, all the messages the last several weeks are still relating to the same things we talked about two months ago. Because the problems confronting our society, confronting our culture, confronting the church today are greater than this crazy election. Much greater, much bigger. I said it early on. I will say it again. And what we've seen in the last 10, 15 years is the death of personal responsibility. So we need to resurrect personal responsibility. Take responsibility for the one and only life that God has given to you. Second of all, we need to resurrect fatherhood and resurrect the nuclear family. And we've got to stand up and be fathers in our culture, in our country today. Third of all, today, third of all, today, the last thing is we have to resurrect courage. Courage. Last week, or the first uh, week we started talking about this, we looked at Joseph and personal responsibility. Then we looked at his dad, Jacob, the importance of a father and naming your children. And today we're looking at Joshua, a new generation of leaders and a man who knew a lot about courage. Look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 following. Joshua 1, 5 following. Now God is speaking to Joshua. God is calling Joshua out. God is encouraging him. But as we listen to this passage, as God is speaking to Joshua, may we overhear the conversation, and may God be speaking to us as well. Verse 5 says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Context is king. What's the context? Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world, is dead. He has led a million people out of slavery. They are now in the wilderness. They're on the precipice of inheriting the promised land. And there's a new leader in town. There's a new guy in charge. And his name is Joshua. And before they go and take this land, God charges Joshua to be strong and courageous. He says, listen, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. But remember to meditate on my word, to meditate on my truth, to meditate on what I am calling you to do and meditate on me. And make sure you do my will. Make sure you follow, Joshua, what I'm telling you to do. And the people who are following you, make sure they follow these precepts. And remember, I'll be with you wherever you go. And and you saw that there in, in the passage, didn't you? Three times in these short verses, God says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid because listen, Joshua, it's going to be tough. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be painful, but I am with you and I will be with you all the way. You know Joshua, right? Remember Joshua was a part of the 12 spies that Moses elected to go spy out the promised land? Do you remember that? In Numbers, and then the spies come back, and they're supposed to report back to Moses and Aaron and all the leaders. And they say, hey, what's this promised land like? And all 10 spies said, oh, this is dangerous. These people are giants. We're like grasshoppers. We're going to get waylaid, wiped out. There's no way we can go into this promised land. And only two Spies, Caleb and Joshua said, are you kidding me? We've got this. This land is beautiful. This land is a land flowing of milk and honey, and we will inherit this land, and God will be with us all the way. That's why we don't know the names of, you know, any of the other 10 spies, but if you go to kindergarten today, there are a whole lot of kids named Joshua and Caleb. Cowards don't have their names passed on. And they wandered in 40 years, 40 years, because they didn't take the land that God had promised them. Now they're about to go into the land And God says, you got to be strong and courageous. If God is speaking any word to us right now, I believe it's that. He's saying, church, we must be strong 
and courageous. We can't slink back and shut up and be quiet and be cowards. That's not going to cut it. So, so what, does that, what does that look like? What, what does it mean to be courageous? What is courage? Listen, courage is simply the God-given ability to do something that frightens you. That's what courage is. Courage is the God-given ability to do something that scares you to death. And you step out. And you speak out. And you stand up anyway. You say, well, I don't want to do that. I like my life. I like where I am. I've got to protect this and protect them. I just want to be happy. Right? That's written in the documents, isn't it? The pursuit of happiness. Listen to what 4th century historian Thucydides said. He said, the secret to happiness is freedom. And the secret to freedom is courage. It's courage. God calls us to be courageous and not to cower in fear. So what do I need to be courageous about? What do you need to be courageous about? How do I know? Ask yourself the question. What are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? And that will give you a clue on how you need to stand, how you need to face whatever fear is staring you down. Be strong and very courageous. You know, it's interesting about courage. It's never convenient to be courageous. Well, I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to wait until things are a lot safer to be courage, to, to speak up. I, I, you know, I've got my little George Jetson briefcase, my collapsible courage that's over here, and I've got it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be courageous someday. No, no. It's never convenient to be courageous. Never. Courage always costs us something. Courage is always sacrificial. It's never convenient. Never convenient to be courageous. But there's something inside of us that's drawn to courage, isn't it? It's like we have this, this cross pull inside of us. One side of us wants to slink out and become a coward and not stand up. And the other side wants us to be strong and courageous. When you think about Martin Luther King Jr., when you think about William Wallace... 
When we think about iconic figures like Maximus and Gladiator or Rocky, what do we think about? We think about people who had great courage. Great courage. And if we need to resurrect anything in our society today, if we need to resurrect anything in the church today, it's that we become men and women of conviction, of compassion, and courage. That is what we need. That's what we need. Maybe you're saying, well, it's too late for me. It's too late for me. I've already, you know, caved in to cowardice. I've already quit, and I don't want to do that. It's too late for me. Or you say, well, you know, I, I, can't, I can't be a courageous person. That's for famous people or people we read about in the history books or we see movies made about them and stories and stuff. You know, I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just an ordinary gal. I can't be courageous. Let me tell you a story that gives me courage, that gives me hope. It's a story about a guy that you've heard about, a guy by the name of Peter. And Peter was a guy who was very confident, who was very bold, who you may say was courageous. He said, listen, I am with you all the way to the mat. I will never cave in. I will never be a coward. But you know the story. Things got hot, really hot. Things got tough. Really tough. All the leaders, the religious leaders and the political leaders of the day were beaming down on Jesus Christ. And Peter, what did he do? He played the coward. He was slinking away in the shadows and he was cussing and he was disclaiming that he ever knew Christ. But on the third day, something happened to Peter. On the third day, something happened that we all know about, that we read about, that's so critical and so crucial. Jesus Christ, who was dead, came up out of the grave alive. And he told them, right, when he was announcing that he was alive, they said, hey, go back. And tell all the disciples that he's alive. Especially go back and tell Peter. And then a few weeks later, Peter finds himself in front of the same council, in front of the same leaders who he had slunk away as a coward. And look what happened just a little while later. In Acts 4, 13, listen to this one verse. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Jesus turned a coward into a courageous man like Peter. 
We're all ordinary people. We're ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. And this extraordinary God has the ability to pour into us extraordinary courage. Extraordinary courage. It takes courage. It takes courage to stand up to someone at school who's being bullied and mocked. It takes courage to stand up for someone online who's being bullied and mocked. It takes courage, parents, mom and dad, to raise kids in this godless, Christless, anti-church, anti-Christ culture. It takes courage to do that. It takes courage to fight for your marriage. It takes courage to stand at work when everybody else is signing the documents and caving in and collapsing their courage in their little briefcase. It takes courage. And our extraordinary God offers to us an extraordinary amount of courage. He pours that into us by the power of the gospel. And when we take a stand, and when we speak up, and when we do the right thing, when we face that thing that we're afraid of, we'll see that people around us start coming on board. We'll see that courage is contagious. It's contagious. And perhaps they'll say about you and me, wow, they're just ordinary people. But look at their courage. Maybe these people too have been with Jesus. Jesus. Went all the way, didn't he? He struggled there in prayer in the garden, but he sweat drops of blood and he said, I will drink of the cup. And with great courage, he went to the cross and laid it all down for us. That we might have life. That we might have a connection with our Father. And that, that God the Father by His Spirit might fill us with an extraordinary amount of courage. Do you have it? Do you have the courage to face your fear? Do you have the courage to turn from the way you're living your life right now. Some of you are living your life in a way you know is leading to destruction. As an old rock group said in the 80s, you're on a highway to hell and there are no speed limits and you need to turn around. Do you have the courage to admit that you're wrong, the courage to humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I need to follow your direction, your path in my life and not continue down this spiral 
towards death and destruction? Do you have the courage to ask God to come into your life and change you? Do you have the courage to take a stand? You know, today is November the 22nd. And 57 years ago, on November 22nd, 1963, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. Also, on November 22nd, 1963, Addis Huxley, the great philosopher and thinker, died. Also, on November 22nd, 1963, the great Christian intellectual C.S. Lewis died. Same day, same year. Lewis wrote the classic book, Mere Christianity, along with Chronicles of Narnia. Addis Huxley wrote the classic book, A Brave New World. JFK wrote the Pulitzer Prize winning book called Profiles in Courage. Profiles in Courage. So the question before us today is this, will you be a profile of courage or will you be a poster child for cowardice? God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you, with you, wherever you go.